10-year-old kid. Mom used to work for Pan Am, um, for those that remember that airline. Um, so worked for Pan Am. We were non-rev, right? Non-revenue. Uh, and trying to get back from Puerto Rico during the Christmas holidays uh, and spending three days in the San Juan airport. No. Uh, oh, and, back, no. and back then, <laughs> non-rev, you had to have a suit and tie. Oh, yeah, so I bet. Are, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So For this days. is this is uh, three days and just the just the disappointment of no <laughs> no more seats on this flight. The next Miserable. flight is in four hours or right. come back tomorrow. So. Welcome to Connections with BCD Travel, an ongoing conversation about the modern day travel program, the impact of technology, and how travel buyers can take control and drive change. What are we waiting for? Let's start connecting. Welcome back to Connections, everyone. I'm Chad Lemon, and I work in digital strategy and advancement at BCD. And I'm Miriam Moscovich. I lead the partnerships and intelligence team at BCD Travel. Do you have some feedback for us? Head to bcdtravel.com forward slash podcast and drop us a comment or a suggestions. We love hearing from our listeners. And Chad, we've gotten a few messages so far. Yeah, it's always exciting to uh, see those in the inbox. And we love getting the kudos from everyone listening. So thanks for sending those in. Um, since we've launched this podcast, some of our most downloaded episodes are our quarterly state of the industry episodes. And typically, we invite Rosanna Martin onto the show to give us a rundown of everything. But we thought for Q4, it'd be nice to invite Jorge Cruz, BCD Travel's Executive Vice President, to deliver his take on the state of the industry. Jorge, welcome to Connections. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do at BCD. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm Jorge Cruz, Head of Global Sales and Marketing. A uh, little bit about myself. I've been with the company since 1996, so just over 27 years, wide range of roles, as you might expect, a little bit of sales, operations, program management. Uh, I oversaw the West Coast for many, many years up until 2018 when I assumed my current role. Um, uh, lastly, I am part of the global executive team, so I have a seat at the table. Uh, that in essence is helping drive strategy and direction for the company. But for me, what's really important is that that seat allows me the opportunity to serve as the voice of the customer, uh, both for current customers and future customers. Well, I know we're all looking forward to hearing your perspective on the state of the industry. So let's jump right in. Jorge, so let's kick off this segment the exact same way we have with other episodes. And that's by asking, what is the state of the industry right now? Perfect. Um, as Rosanna mentioned this past September, the industry is healthy uh, and continues to recover. But we also know that the world economy really has managed to confound many forecasters during 2023. But as we know, the foundations for future growth may not be as stable as they sometimes appear to be or, or as they seem. So, for example, even if the economy continues to defy those concerns, there are specific risks that could undermine or derail the growth, include persistent higher interest rates, bond market development, and last but not least is the geopolitical issues that we're facing around the globe. 
So, uh, but today I wanted to focus a little bit on the state of the industry in 2023, but really more about what to expect in 2024 in three key areas, along with some recommendations and suggestions for our uh, listeners. Great. We, uh, Miriam loves a list, so I know she's already excited <laughs> yeah. about that. Perfect. Perfect. Well, those three areas uh, are short and sweet, airfares, hotels, and sustainability. Uh, let's start with airfares, if you don't mind. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we know the recovery in air travel isn't synchronized around the world. Right. Uh, and as a result, the factors that are driving some of those changes, the airfares in 2024 will vary by market and by region. So I think we all know that in some cases, demand or capacity haven't yet returned to pre-pandemic levels. And in others, the initial rebound may have ended, allowing for more normal market conditions to resurface. So let's get to some of the numbers here. So globally, we're seeing average ticket prices that are expected to decrease by 0.8% in 2024. Regional airfares, 09 and intercontinental fares by 0.5. I think what's really important and interesting is at a 1.2% reduction, is expected and forecasted for the global business fares, which obviously are steeper than the point eight easing uh, expected for those economy tickets. So, uh, but let's look around the globe if we could. Asia, Europe, Latin America, Southwest Pacific, they can all expect ATPs, average ticket prices, to fall by more than 2%. Higher airfares are more likely in Africa and North America. But even in those cases, those ATPs are only estimated to be less than 1%. So um, I think we all know that over the past two years, right, airfares have increased significantly. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a result, we, we were advising our travel buyers that using savings as a performance measure has been almost impossible for them, right? Mm -hmm. So we're advising those companies to take a close look at their travel policies, look at their travel booking behaviors, and then look at ways to lower the overall cost of their programs. Good advice. Good. Let's go. Let's jump into hotel rates. Let's um, global global hotel rates are expected to rise by six point eight percent on average in 2024. Mm. Again, we have to keep in mind that's that's on the heels of subsequent other increases in 2022 and obviously in 2023 as well. Even as the pace of the recovery shows signs of slowing down, mm -hmm. the demand will obviously continue to outpace the available supply in many of those markets. So right. and although although numerous projects are underway to increase the number of hotel rooms, this is going to take time, right, mm -hmm. to come online, and the development will vary greatly uh, by each one of those markets in order to add to that capacity. Uh, in addition, hoteliers' uh, concerns about occupancy have given way to a sharper focus on average daily rates and revenue per available room. Mm -hmm. So as an example, instead of trying to fill every room, right, hotels seem more willing to accept lower occupancy. Mm -hmm. limiting availability, and then charging higher rates for those rooms, right? With inflation so high in many countries, right, this change in priorities has really added a benefit of lowering hotels' uh, operating costs. So mm -hmm. as an example, lower occupancy should allow for lower housekeeping costs. Uh, so, so that's kind of a new dynamic that's happening in the hotel world. So um, you know, we also know that hotels have adopted more sophisticated 
uh, techniques for revenue and yield management than in recent years. Available rooms at preferred rates have been increasingly more difficult for business travelers to find. And while it's important for buyers to negotiate those good rates, it's so much more important for those rates to be available when needed. So that last room availability uh, is key. Um, I mean, otherwise, right, they end up paying market rates, which obviously will increase the cost of their hotel programs in 2024. Want to jump into sustainability? Let's do it. Uh, so we have survey results. Miriam and Chad, you're both very familiar with these mm-hmm. uh, that show that two thirds of travel buyers consider environmentally sustainable travel to be very or extremely important. Uh, and almost half have global formal goals in place to make corporate travel more sustainable. But travel managers will need to do more. Buyer beware, particularly in light of sustainability developments expected in 2024, like new emission regulations. For example, the EU's Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive will come into effect in 2024, and that's already expanding on the existing corporate sustainability disclosure. So, Uh, It's also noted that the UK, Australia, and possibly the US are likely to follow. So travel suppliers and their corporate clients should anticipate greater demands for that data and the transparency around their emissions. So get ready for sustainability because it it, it will be something uh, that we all will need to address and be prepared for uh, at at a much greater level than we have here uh, in 2023. That's some really great insight. Thanks for all of that. Um, But now that we know all that, I'm interested to know what you and your team are hearing in client meetings right now, as in what questions are travel buyers asking right now that our listeners might potentially be overlooking? Uh, Great question. So so as you can imagine, it varies by client, by prospect. Uh, But to answer your question, there are some key topics that are around sustainability uh, traveler experience, DE&I, a little bit of NDC, or maybe a lot of a lot about NDC, and then lastly AI. But that's just really to name a few. So, uh, from my perspective, travel buyers should have a keen focus on areas that are very important to their program, not only for today, but into the future as well. So, uh, those are the conversations that we we think need to be had here. So. So for us, I think we, we know this, no one program is alike, and thus the travel buyers should engage the, with their respective suppliers on areas that are important specifically to them and to their program. You know, one of the things I, I hear come up a little bit more recently is, is how travel buyers are really looking to start benchmarking themselves once again against their competitors or against their peers in the market. What's your view on on travel programs benchmarking against other programs? You know, I think there's some merit. I think it's a great question. I think there's some merit to it. Uh, but I think we also have to factor in policies, right? So mm-hmm. there's a lot of variables that go in to that comparison. You, you really right. can't just take data sets and put them against each other. Uh, because there's a lot of variables that, you know, a, a travel policy could be different at company A versus company B. Uh, mm-hmm. So I do think there is some merit, but it's not the end all be all. But I do think it kind of gives you a relative guideline and sense of how mm-hmm. you're doing relative to those that are in your sector, your industry, size and scope. But again, mm-hmm. it's not the end all be all from from my perspective. Well, Jorge, we just wrapped up budget season over here. And as we head into 2024 soon, what excites you? 
Are there any investments BCD is going to make that we should all know about? Yes. Uh, so yes, budget season 2024 is behind us. And uh, uh, point blank, we've established a budget that expects growth over 2023. But what's more important for me is that the focus of 2024, not to say that it wasn't in 2023, but the focus in 2024 is really around enhancing our service and our technology offerings, right? So that end user, uh, there's a lot of capex and and, and monies uh, and investments that are going to be made there. So you know, I think you know, as the head of sales, we're always looking for some new tools in the toolbox. Uh, and for me, 2024 is lining up perfectly, perfectly uh, to allow us have to allow us to have some really cool stuff to talk about. Areas like BCD pay, future development enhancements around trip source future development about BCD invite, all of those things, some service configuration, some contact center management uh, tools, mm -hmm. all of these things are really just going to uh, propel us. And again, really add to the overall value proposition that we're bringing not only to our existing client base, but to our uh, uh, future prospects as well. On our last State of the Industry episode, Rosanna gave us a quick around the world highlight reel of the things that BCD is doing or investing in. Can you give us that same highlight reel? Uh, let me start with Asia Pacific. Brand new leadership in Jonathan Cow, yeah. not new to the organization. Uh, he was managing Greater China and that takes over uh, Japan. A kudos and shout out to Otani-san, uh, which was a previous MD for Japan. He did an outstanding job, uh, really left the legacy there, but we're excited about Jonathan uh, having some synergies within that marketplace. Uh, another exciting to kind of stay in that region, uh, recent event in China, right? So we had our first client event in China in I think over three and a half, almost four years. So wow. it was great to bring people together, Yeah, well attended, very thoughtful, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of good dialogue that was happening. There were two really hot topics. Let me share them with you. Mm -hmm. One is sustainability. So, right, I think we know that the Chinese government has set a carbon net zero mandate by 2060. So, okay. a lot of good conversations around that. Mm -hmm. And then the other really hot topic that's that's you know prevalent is the personal information protection law. If you're not familiar with that, Google that specifically for China because there are some nuances there uh, that are come to that are coming to fruition, and it's very similar to GDPR. So, so we have to be ready for that. On top of that, there were some other topics: AI. How can we have a a, a client event and conversation without talking about AI and how that's going to play a role? <laughs> right. Uh, and then, lastly, some international flight recovery. Uh, which is great to hear, right? Especially to the U.S. Or, you know, are we going to increase? Is there more capacity? Is there more demand and those types of things? So, so that's Asia Pacific. Uh, now moving into the EMEA region, uh, there is a keen focus on ERM, Energy Resource and Marine, uh, which started in e in EMEA for us, right? So now now referred to as Europe. So. Uh, is now also in Asia Pacific, and it's soon to be in the Americas. So we're really excited about the investments uh, and the governance that we have around that ERM strategy that we're about to roll out. Uh, in NORAM, continued success, uh, but we're continuing to find ways to strengthen our A&D and life sciences offering. Uh, and to be honest, it's been extremely fruitful. Our existing client base is happy with what we're doing in terms of future development and service configurations and improvements. Uh, and our prospects are, are, are 
clamoring to 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 get in a little bit on on what we're doing, how we're doing it, uh, and having some serious conversations uh, with us as well. So, and then lastly, to close this thing out in LATAM, continued growth and service excellence. That's such an important region mm-hmm. for us, mm-hmm. but one one that one that is so key and vital. Every year they continue to grow. Every yeah. year they continue to improve, and they will continue to do that as well. So uh, under great leadership, all regions under great leadership, but LATAM for me is uh, is a, it's a little special for me. Uh, and again, they they're they're projecting continued growth. Let's switch gears a little bit to technology. Um, you mentioned in the question before that BCD will continue to invest heavily into our technology. What does that mean, and how? How do you see travel tech shaping the future of our industry? Um, so let's talk a little bit about continued development enhancements on TripSource. We know TripSource has been rolled out. It's been rolled out globally. Uh, there is a, a great uh, usage uh, and a great proven body of work on the TripSource platform. So we're extremely happy with continued development and enhancements uh, for that tool and platform. So. Um, but then I'm also get excited about the new advancements like BCD Invite, right? So that was launched in 2023. Uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback, the voice of the customer. Uh, and then lastly is BCD Pay, right? So those are two tools, products, services that will continue uh, to make advancements here in 2024. But the one thing that I'm super excited about, uh, and maybe this concerns some people, uh, is AI. So to me, AI is super interesting, super exciting. I think we all know that Giannis Karmas, our SVP of product development, he just recently spoke at, about AI at GBTA Hamburg, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you've heard him say, we've been using AI for quite some time, whether it's through our decision source, our hotel platform, uh, BCD Pay. But now we're really looking at ways to further enhance that AI in areas like the agent efficiency and personalized service. Um, another category would be that traveler satisfaction and compliance. And then lastly, getting more robust intelligence and insights uh, with the AI platform. So, so it's, it's, it's a big question. Um, but I'm, you know, really excited about those three categories specifically around in the AI space. Jorge, I want to spend a little time talking about pricing strategies. This is a topic that comes up all the time. And and I know over the course of the last few decades, right, we've talked about all sorts of pricing models that could potentially be out there, subscription and transaction fee and cost plus and all these other things. What is going on in that space right now? What, what do you think uh, buyers are looking for in terms of structuring their pricing? Uh, you know, for, for me, pricing continues to be an area of discussion and conversation, but from my perspective, it, it's really one that's made very little change over the years. Um, you know, we we have dabbled uh, and offered and continue to offer subscription pricing, but our negotiations are really mostly based around transaction fee or cost plus pricing or a variation within those two areas, if you will. So, um, and it feels like even though that we offer alternatives, somehow the conversations find their way back to transaction and cost plus pricing, right? It's kind of like, okay, so subscription fee pricing, that's X per traveler per year. And what does that mean on a cost per transaction, right? (laughs) So it's just just that kind of dialogue that it's it's known to the travel buyers, it's known to the industry, 
Uh, but again, hey, listen, we're, we're, we're a flexible organization. We'll continue to offer alternatives. But from our perspective, some of those alternatives, alternatives, excuse me, really are having to do with not having a central budget. So, right, if you're, if you're going to have subscription pricing and you're going to pay X number of dollars per traveler across the globe, you better have a central budget. You better think about possible tax implications. And then from a budgeting perspective, do you have a global cost center as well? So how are how are you set up as an organization to be able to facilitate that? But, you know, again, um, you know, for us, uh, alternative pricing is great. Somehow it always finds itself way, you know, back to the uh, to the known entities of transaction or cost plus. So I mentioned before that we love a list here on the Connections yes. Podcast. So I want to press you for the top three things that you think travel buyers should be thinking about before 2023 ends. What's your advice? Uh, so these are going to sound somewhat simple. But for me, number one is uh, if you haven't already done so, take this time. Uh, hopefully it's a little bit quieter uh, to map out your goals for your travel program. Right. So evaluate where you want to enhance your program and where you want to make some marked improvements. You should be asking yourself, what are you looking to accomplish? How will you measure it? Those types of things. Uh, So that's number one. Number two for me is really look at all of your suppliers and ask yourself if you're getting the full value uh, of the contractual agreement, the commercial terms, uh, and the projected return on the investments. Uh, And then three, uh, and this is one I really take to heart, is take some time over the next 30 days to really decompress, re-energize. For me, it's always important to spend time with those loved ones and make some memories. Uh, I think we all know 2024 will be another interesting year and we all need to be ready for it. Anything else you'd like to add before we close this segment out? Uh, No, just I, I guess just a simple thank you for letting me hang out with the cool kids today. Did you hear that, Miriam? We are the we cool kids. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Okay, let's get to know you a little bit better on this quick connect segment. I'm going to ask some random questions and we want you just to blurt out the first thing that comes to mind. Um, I might be jumping the gun here, but do you all have any fun or unique New Year's celebrations or traditions? Wearing all the same pajamas. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so matching pajamas, my, the whole family, matching, ma- oh. matching pajamas, uh, inclusive of my 90 year old father, 87 year old mother. Thank oh, this is like a big health. extended family. Pajama oh, yeah. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is this is this is, <laughs> the this is a big event. And this year we're adding three or four more and they have already purchased the same matching pajamas. So we'll have about 12 to 15 people uh, in the same uh, pajama set. Uh, And hopefully just try to stay awake for, if if we're talking new year's, which we are uh, obviously trying to stay awake for that midnight uh, celebration. For many years, my tradition was to not be home. So to be somewhere else in the world, um, Mm -hmm. checking out their new year's celebration. Uh, Last few years, it's been at home cooking cookies, baking cookies. Uh, I remember you saying that a couple months ago, Miriam, and fun fact, you influenced me. I will not be at home for New Year's this year. I'm going to try out your uh, plan, what you used to do, and I'm heading as far west as I can, so I'm like in that last uh, time zone before New Year's is done. Yeah, we'll try it out. Um, All right, final question. When you travel, are you a window or an aisle seat kind of guy? I'm going to say 99% of the time it's aisle, 
Um, okay. I like the ability to be able it's because I'm sure you want to know why, right? So mm -hmm. uh, I like the ability of being able to get up on my own when I need to get up on my own. Uh, it's not a control thing, but it's just <laughs> I, I like to be able just to have in my own destiny in my in my own hands uh, sure. and not wake somebody up. And I the reason I said 99%, I just recently took a red eye flight from Seattle. I was out in Portland visiting my son and his girlfriend. We took in a Seahawk game and a Washington commander uh nfl football game wow uh decided i was going to take the red eye for that one i was like i need the window seat because i don't plan on getting up and yeah, i don't want to exactly. be disturbed by somebody so uh but for the most part uh aisle seat it is for me Jorge, it's always great talking to you and seeing you at events and now interviewing you on the podcast. Uh, as one of our company's leaders, you really have your finger on the pulse of things, and I so enjoy any moment I get to connect with you and learn. Thanks, Jorge. It was great having you. I hope you join us again someday. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, listen, thank you both. Uh, and just to all the listeners and obviously to, to you both as well, wishing everyone a very safe and happy holiday season and a very successful 2024 and beyond. So yeah, yeah. thank you again. If you're a travel buyer, frequent business traveler, or just someone who likes hearing about the state of business travel today, be sure to download and review the Connections with BCD Travel podcast to stay up to date with new releases and listen to your favorite episodes. Thank you for connecting with us. BCD Travel helps companies travel smart and achieve more. We drive program adoption, cost savings, and talent retention through digital experiences that simplify business travel. Learn more about the topics you heard on this episode by visiting bcdtravel.com slash podcast. <laughs>